Hey friends, this is Kate, the founder of Loam, and I hope you're being extra kind with yourself and with your loved ones during these difficult days. It has been a long time since we last checked in. As many of you know, we were working on a special podcast series in support of our print publication, Weaving New Worlds, when the streets bloomed with peaceful protests in support of Black Lives Matter. Our small team slowed down in the weeks that followed to grieve, organize, and rest. Although you all have been incredibly gracious and generous throughout it all, we are continually humbled at how amazing this community is. We just want to thank you again for holding space for us to be a very human organization as we figure out what is needed to meet this moment. As we shared online in our statement in accountability from late June, Part of the lifelong pursuit of collective liberation lives in our capacity to critically reflect on how the project of white supremacy shows up in our bodies, our workplaces, our creative collaborations, and our communities. And we make this ask explicit because loam, just like liberation, is a relational field, and we can't do the hard work of challenging white supremacy and its value on capitalism, on burnout, on on urgency uh, without each other. There is so much more to say and to do on these issues, and we will be devoting upcoming episodes of Loam Listen to digging in deeper. Today, however, we'll be returning to our Weaving New Worlds listening series in service of illuminating folks on the front lines of arts as activism who are living into the better world we so desperately need. In this conversation, I'll be connecting with Sunny Savage, who shared such a powerful reflection on forging and placemaking and reciprocity with Kyle and me for Weaving New Worlds magazine. Sunny Savage is the founder of the Savage Kitchen app, an incredible resource that you all have to check out ASAP, as well as a wild food forager. Dedicated to her craft for over 20 years, she's taught thousands of people around the globe the joy of wild crafting as a published author, television host, in-person educator, and business owner. Since organizing her first protest in 2004, she has stood alongside the BIPOC community to demand justice and acknowledge the gift they've given her craft and keeping the living knowledge of wild foods alive. Sunny, thank you so much for making the time to be here today. It's an honor. Thank you. (laughs) So right now you are in a really busy season, as you shared. Everything ripens in this massive crescendo, which is just such a beautiful image. Um, And so you've been especially hard at work teaching and connecting and sharing on wild foods and respectful, reverential foraging with community. So how are you balancing this desire to tend to the land, to show up for the land with the need to tend to your own self and to your own heart as well? Mm. Yeah, well, <laughs> wild foods are really available year round, but there is this moment here in Hawaii where the solar the solar energy increases and yes, the the wild foods, especially our wild fruits, um and beans and uh so many things just really come into this absolute crescendo this this giant wave of um of ripening and so it is an extremely busy time and it's one that finds me 
you know, filled with so much joy and excitement and anticipation of all of these, you know, wonderful flavors coming back into my life. Um, and also really does require uh, some balance. So it's a great question. You know, I really learned a lot about balance last year. I had um, a skull fracture and concussion two years ago, which led to this crazy, massive infection in the very geographical center of my head. And I ended up having kind of a, a brain surgery. And that really taught me so much about slowing down. And, you know, as somebody who was very familiar with the terminology of self-care, but not necessarily practicing the depths of what that really meant, um, uh, I've found that getting adequate sleep is probably my number one self-care practice. So even though this season and the plants that are, you know, I feel like the plants really run my life in so many ways. Um, and they do require me to step up and, and put out a lot more energy at this time um, to dance with them. But uh, also really always coming back, yeah, to that, that place of like, okay, I need to rest, I need to feed myself. Um, you know, these things are so basic. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm getting a massage or, oh, I'm doing this or that. That is um, kind of that more commercialized, um, you know, view of self-care. But just these simple things um, of clearing out some headspace um, and getting adequate rest and really taking that time to, to feed myself and plan ahead for, for meals um, have been so important. And I feel like I'm really starting to practice that more based on this, you know, very uh, life-changing health uh, crisis that I went through last year. Thank you so much for sharing that, Sunny. I really think what you have to say on nourishment feels especially relevant right now and the need to to remember to tend to the basics and <laughs> to sleep and to drink water and to rest is is so important in helping us show up for this 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 wildly alive season that we are living through you know alive in in so many ways <laughs> so something i want to ref- to hear a little bit more from you now about is you have been for many years an incredible social justice advocate and um, activist who's very much committed to embodied allyship. And I'm curious to, to know how you're responding to the pandemic and to the protests in your own community through the lens of this beautiful local uh, and land-based work that you do. Yeah, well, so much has changed. I feel like in the last month um, since the protests um, started, you know, really happening, uh, I have learned so much. Um, I've really um, turned a little more internally. I've certainly been involved with some of the Black Lives Matter protests in the island and really figuring out our talking points with um, 
our locally elected um, government officials and, and how to work with our specific issues here on the militarization of the police force and the um, qualified immunity and, and some of these different things. But mostly for me, this work has um, turned inward, which has also been this thing of coronavirus forcing us to turn inward a lot more. And it's been incredible to have the opportunity to have the conversations about white supremacy with my own family members. And we've set up a a study group to work through Layla F. Saad's Me and White Supremacy book and corresponding journal prompts. And it just it's never happened in this way to really reflect with family members on such a deep level of these things that, you know, so many of us had already been, um, you know, it was that typical, like, oh, we thought we were some of the good ones, you know, and then to realize the layers and layers of this. And it's, of course, it's really complex. Um, to speak to so many different things, but, you know, how internalized the white supremacy is, how systemic it all is. And, um, and so having a new form of language to describe and to kind of bring awareness to, it's just, it's been really, really amazing um, to do that work within my own family's network, you know, and how we are responding as a family and how we have, you know, our carried pieces of that um, through the generations and how we can, you know, how we're working on healing that and bringing that forward within ourselves. So that's been really eye-opening. Um, and then as far as the coronavirus, I just feel like um, there have been so many of almost these first responder types in the community that are just, you know, working and feeding community members. And for me, um, I am so busy working with the plants at this time, and I'm just really trying to offer a lot more classes on you know, teaching people these skills of um, nature awareness and, you know, how we're identifying, how we're um, asking permission and waiting for a reply, how we're building these relationships with the plants and then the harvesting and processing and cooking classes. And um, I feel like that... Uh, is really important, timely, because the plants are crescending in this large crescendo of ripening right now. And so anybody who's um, valuing that and, and seeing that as important, um, you know, that I can, um, you know, offer my own piece of that puzzle for themselves. But in the larger piece of things, we have one of the highest rates of unemployment here on the island of Maui or in Maui County, which is three different islands. And so this is very much a long-term kind of scenario where our, basically our entire economy is based on tourism. And that is, um, 
people have been on unemployment and those unemployment checks are going to start running out. And then we're really, really looking at some long-term, very serious effects of um, people not being able to, to eat in nourishing ways. And so I still am dancing with what role I have to play in that, but certainly um, putting the app out there to provide a free resource for people that educates them, teaches them how to use the plants and and where to find them is valuable. And, you know, I would imagine I'll just keep kind of doing that work to, to promote those foods, but I'm sure there'll be other pieces that that need to be addressed that maybe I could fit into so yeah yeah the the savage kitchen app is just incredible and it's so admirable that you've chosen to make this resource free um particularly in light of the the times that we're in and you know something I want to dig a little deeper to is into is you know when when you and me and Kailea like first connected for this issue, you know, both of us were just so enchanted <laughs> by your work and by, by how it inspired a new way of living in the world, because, you know, a lot of your wild food foraging is, is also about working with, you know, quote unquote, invasive species and really reimagining how we can be in relationship to those plants. Um, and I'm wondering if you can speak more to that connection to invasive and, and how your work kind of invites us to challenge and reimagine the ecosystems that we're in and how we connect to those ecosystems and take care of them. Yeah, I I feel like I've been learning a lot about being able to to carry more than one story at one time, you know, and how there's this need to have an understanding that yes, this is an invasive species and yes, the strawberry guava here are, you know, now occupying hundreds of thousands of acres, displacing native endemic plants and severely disrupting the water supply. Um, And so, you know, that real harm and real disruption um, on so many levels. And yet at the same time, also carrying this piece of, well, when you look out at the land and what, where the abundance is happening, that the strawberry guava is where it's at and how, where it comes from, where it originates from on that southeastern border of Brazil and um, and Uruguay, how, you know, that plant is obviously a cherished, you know, respected um, being. And so, um, you know, so often these plants are sacred from where they come from and then become a, you know, a demised um, thing in this other place. And so, for me, at this point, with 
how far along we are with global climate change and whatnot, this need to really respect life and to really honor that this is a living being. And so what I speak to a lot in my classes is that my feeling is that when we engage in relationship with these plants, that they're sharing information with us. They're sharing um, so much. And so, you know, we really become, they become a part of us. And when we start working with them, when we start dancing in relationship with them, only then will we really have a direction to go for their, you know, like, I want to say land management, um, but how we can like, you know, work together. And I feel like they will tell us that, but as an individual, like I can have my thing and my experience and my thoughts, but not until we in community really start building that relationship do I feel we're going to have an understanding of how um how to really work with them I mean we might climate change might happen at such a rate that anything that is able to live here those will be the foundations of the new ecosystems that emerge I mean if they're thriving amidst all of these changes, then I mean, at some level, shouldn't we be celebrating that life? And that if we want to continue with life, we might have to shift and move in that direction. And at the same time, you know, these native endemic plants are worth saving. I mean, these are the plants that are adapted to hold water here in the islands. Those are the plants that have stories you know the hawaiian people the olelo hawaii is you know the language of course carries so much of how to be in relationship with the land and if those plants aren't there that piece of the culture is um you know unable to be practiced in that way not that we can't still learn things from it but it's a relational you know, experience with the land. So um, I just feel like it's one of those things where, yes, they're invasive and, and you have to be able to understand what's happening and why they are invasive and all these things. And at the same time, they're abundance species. There is an abundance of life happening there. And so instead of fighting it, which is the typical land management strategy of applying herbicide um, and really vilifying them, you know, people walk out in the forest and they see it and they have a negative energy that they're giving that plant. So for me, there's this piece of like, okay, well, we have to understand that. And then we also can also use the same thing of like, wow, this is life happening. This life is sacred. This plant is offering us an incredible gift. I mean, the strawberry guava is an incredible example as well. We have the highest strains of cannabis that are grown for um 
CBD for beta karyophyllene, and then you have so the the levels of beta karyophyllene on cannabis strains that are grown for that CBD um, are in the leaves of the strawberry guava in like double the amount of the highest strains from cannabis. So here we have an anti-inflammatory, you know, a pain reducing anti-inflammatory plant that is widely available. And yet everybody's focused on, you know, growing cannabis, you know, beautiful plant powerful medicine but here we have something that you know is growing in absolute abundance the leaves are available year round could really benefit the community to engage and dance with it and you know say oh you're so beautiful and you have so much medicine and maybe you could not grow over there anymore you know and and so um the same thing holds true with another one of the invasives that i work with which is the the Kahili ginger, the Hedicium gardnerianum, which I've had tested in the lab and is extremely high in linalool. And the linalool is what is so famed in lavender for calming and anti-anxiety effects. Here we've got, you know, both the strawberry guava, the Cidium catalianum, and the Kahili ginger, um, Hedicium gardnerianum, um, are in the top 100 most invasive species on the planet. I mean, that's species. So that includes mosquitoes, viruses, things like that. Um, and so just really trying to shift the narrative that they are a gift. And while at the same time, they're not, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's this, this thing about being able to carry more than one story. And it's just really mostly about awareness. Um, once people start learning all of the things that they can use um, and bring into their life, usually per- the perspective is easily shifted. <laughs> I love this idea of carrying more than one story. I think that is so critical. And especially right now during these turbulent times that we're in learning how to hold multitudes you know how to how to see nuance is so it's just an important almost I don't know if the if survival skill is the right word yeah but it's an app yeah but it's just such a that's such a critical skill um so I really appreciate what you offered around yeah like seeing seeing multiple stories, seeing the good, the bad, the beautiful, you know, all of that. So before we close, I would love to hear from you about if there's a particular plant or a particular practice, whether it's a remedy that you've been making, a meal you've been preparing, or a ritual that you've been integrating into your life that has been particularly valuable to you in the in the face of um the pandemic and protest Mm. well i've i've been going back to distilling more i kind of found myself um not having done any distillations for the previous so maybe eight months or so and when this started i picked my still up and dusted it off and 
the very first thing that I distilled was Redwood because as soon as George Floyd's um, words of I can't breathe came up, the immediate plant that came to mind for me was redwood. Here in the middle of the Pacific, we have uh, lots of redwoods and they are considered invasive. Um, up at the top of our mountain, um, or our high elevation forest, not all the way at the summit. And the the majestic quality, the incredible um, lessons of community support, how one redwood, you know, far away is struggling and they're sending nutrients, you know, through the mycorrhizal and, and just so many beautiful lessons um, from that majestic tree. And so I offered four classes taking people up um, because... It, I burn redwood for smoke medicine. And so just empowering people to really have a tool for prayers at this time um, to lift those up. And, and then I, um, I made a distillation and I feel like we have the whales here and the whales are kind of these story keepers singing this continual song um, in the water. And then we have the redwoods, which I feel like carry so many stories on the land. And so I started with that distillation and um, doing other distillations of strawberry guava leaves and fruits combined and um, spearmint and these other things and really using those healing waters to um, clear space, to shift the consciousness, much as smoke medicine is used and just um, really um, tapping into that incredible ability to have that kind of direct hit to the limbic system through the aromatics, how they rise up into the nasal passages and are directly transported um, and, and changed into electrical signaling, or I don't even know if it's electrical. It's so mysterious. <laughs> um, but uh, into signaling our brain and, and, and our body and our awareness, our consciousness, um, through these, through these aromas. So yeah, I would say that the distillation is something that I found myself specifically reaching for and experiencing, um, through all these changes. Thank you so much for sharing that, Sunny. That was so beautiful. And, Thank you so much for making the time today to talk, as well as just for your gorgeous contribution to Weaving New Worlds. To all of our listeners and to our readers, I am so excited for you to hold this print publication in your hands um, and to just sit in what Sunny has to offer. It's so needed right now. Mm -hmm. Wild blessings. Mm -hmm.